Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm also a motivational speaker, a speaker mentor, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And Sharon's still on vacation, so today you get me um, along with our guest. But before I reintroduce her, um, I wanted to kind of share a little bit about what's kind of on my heart today. And I'm hoping that maybe through our discussion today we can maybe approach this and try to pull out some of the reasons that this happens because I think it really ties in with our message. And that is on the subject of patience. And I don't, I'm not talking about medical patients. I'm talking about being patient. <laughs> and I, I'm just questioning, why is it so hard to wait? You know, and it feels like it's been kind of the story of my life lately that we're waiting on so many things, whether it's the cancer treatment and the results of it or if we're waiting for a biopsy or in our case, we're, we're in the final stages of selling our house and we're supposed to close Monday. And there's, you know, there's always those little loose ends kind of that, that hold you back. And, and, and it causes for me all of these things, this waiting seems to cause a, an, an amount of stress that is not probably very healthy to live with and I think it's when I get hit the hardest with with patients or lack thereof it's not about waiting in line and you know or listening to a speaker who speaks too slowly in fact I, I buy audible books and I find I found out you can actually speed them up a little bit so <laughs> that even eliminates that but it's the fear it's the unknown it's the it's when we're waiting on something that is going to change our lives one way or the other. And it's the things that maybe we don't have any control over. Those are the things that, that get to me the most when I'm waiting on something like that. And and it's really hard um, sometimes to let go of those things. And, you know, I'm a spiritual person. I do believe in God. And I know that he's got some plan for me that he knows exactly what's going on. And it's easy and best for me if I can rest in that. But sometimes even then, knowing that, it's still hard. And I, I've, I've made this quote several times on our show in the last couple of years. And it's a, a quote that I got from a flooring man who came and put flooring in our house. And I was asking him these what-if scenarios. And he said, Becky, let's not put demons where none exist. And I have to remind myself of that saying every now and then because sometimes in that 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 need to wait for an answer to something, we start to do the what ifs. What if this? What if that? And I know that adds to to my level of stress. So I either try to remember that statement from, his name is was John Schwab, and he said I could have that statement, but I thought it was brilliant, so I like to give him credit. Um, but it's I think it's just an important thing for all of us to to kind of figure out maybe processes that work for us. And so I'm hoping that today maybe our our guest can help us address some of this in our conversation about self-care. Now, earlier I said I was going to reintroduce her, and that's because she was our guest last week. We had a fabulous discussion about self-care with Kathy Lehman. And last week we focused mostly on the important role of nutrition and taking care of ourselves, but there was so much more we wanted to cover, and we just flat ran out of time. So 
kind of jokingly, I said, well, we just need to have you back for another conversation. And then we thought, well, we don't have a guest next week. Let's have you back next week. So so here we are. We ran out of time. Um, but, you know, it's our show. We can do whatever we want. So we invited her back. And this way we can finish the topic today on nutrition. And then we're going to finish the other parts of self-care that we didn't actually get to. And those things will include exercise, social, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, relational, and all of those things. So our guest today is Kathy Lehman. She's a registered dietitian, a nutritionist, and a certified personal trainer. And Kathy, welcome back to our show. We loved having you last week. You were amazing. Oh, thank you so much, Becky. It's great to be back again. It was a wonderful surprise to have another opportunity to speak with you and your audience. And I just wanted to say very quickly, there was a listener of your program last week who sent me the nicest email. I actually shared it with you. And I, she just made my day. And I just, I'm thinking it was a she. It may, maybe I have that wrong. But whoever it was, and you know who you are if you're listening. I just wanted to say <laughs> thank you so much because that was so kind. And it just really, it made my week. So thank Good. you. This is really wonderful. Thanks so much. You know, and it's really nice when our listeners will take the time to send us a little note. Um, you know, if you want to send a note to the show, you can do it that way. Or you can send one to Becky at breastfriends.org. And then I'll make sure I share it with all the people involved. But um, we love hearing from you. We love hearing if, if a certain subject touched your heart, if it made a difference in your life in some way. Those are the things that that help us feel good about the work that we're doing here on this radio show. So thank you. And I'm thank you for reminding us about that, Kathy, and sharing that message that you got. That's That was awesome. Yeah. So listen, before we get into the new stuff, I want to do a quick recap of what we discussed last week. And then there were a couple more nutrition-based questions I wanted to ask you that we, I don't think we actually got to them last week. So so let's go, kind of go through this part quickly so we don't run out of time again. <laughs> There's right. so, so much to talk about nutrition. but um, yeah. And for our listeners, you can go back to last week's episode and listen to the whole thing. So we're not going to repeat a bunch of information here because we'd love you to go back and listen to that one. So, so anyway, why don't you very quickly, Kathy, just kind of restate what is the definition of self-care? So we know kind of we're all on the same page to start. Sure. So self-care is taking an active and intentional role in protecting and preserving your own well-being. It's really about a conscious effort. And I always like to to call it you taking care of you. It's a way to balance yourself out. So that's the definition I use when I'm explaining it to people because I think sometimes people can have their own definition of self-care or they've read other definitions and they adopt those as their own. But I always go back to that because... Being in, being intentional and action-oriented are two themes in my work that I go back to over and over and over. And I just think that makes that such a, um, oh, it's a very profound statement, but I think it's also a very, it's a place, like a platform that you can work from, from with that particular statement. Yeah, I like that a lot. That, that word intentional, I think is, I think that's probably a, a real key to what you're what you're describing there. So great. Well, let's just, again, recap why nutrition plays a major role in self-care, just very quickly, why it's important, because we want people to go back and listen and maybe inspire them to go back and listen. Yeah, for sure. So last week, I know I mentioned to you that I am such a fan of self-care and such an advocate for self-care, particularly with women, men as well, but women tend to put everyone else ahead of their own self-care, and they end up at the bottom of the list until sometimes they find themselves scrambling to try to 
regain their sense of equilibrium or try to find their themselves again. And so I wrote my master's thesis on the topic of women in self-care and how a lack of that or, or just an inattention to that can lead to nutritional issues such as weight gain or um, overeating, perhaps you know disordered eating behaviors or full-blown eating disorders. They can kind of go hand in hand with lack of self-care and um, you know, other things going on in your life that may trigger some of that behavior. And so let's just, with the topic of weight gain, if if you gain weight and you don't feel good about your body or you don't feel good in your body, that can lead to maybe low-grade depression. It doesn't make you feel like moving your body or exercising. So if you decrease your activity and you continue to perhaps eat out of depression or anxiety or stress or anger, now the weight gain continues, you feel less good about yourself, you become less active, and then those two things hand in hand can sometimes, and some people trigger things like type 2 diabetes, heart disease, um, you know, we look at the healthy gut, the gut microbiota, and how that can impact cognition and depression and other um, mental well-being states so it all kind of it's all connected and so if we neglect self-care in any area and I don't mean to harp just on the weight gain but I think that's something most people can wrap their mind around Mm -hmm. as something very concrete if we neglect one area it's almost like you know when you play pickup sticks and you try to move one and and then everything moves (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of the same same thing the way I, I see it. Well, that that makes perfect sense too. So, um, yeah, and weight gain. I mean, that can lead to so many, so many other issues. Um, so, Kathy, let's get to a couple of questions that we didn't get to last time about nutrition, and then we'll wrap up that conversation and move forward. Okay, sound good? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, how does nutrition help reduce risk of recurrence? I know, you know, as a five-time survivor, recurrence is kind of always on my mind and um, I don't like it to be but it's kind of always there and um, with every scan and I think every patient that goes through this every time you go in for your follow-up scans there's that heart palpitation moment and then that that patient's issue where you are waiting for the results and it's so hard because you don't know but there are things we can do to to reduce our risk of recurrence right I mean nutritionally based can you talk about that for a minute absolutely so what we what we say in the nutrition science world is we can potentially reduce risk. We can contribute to, we can have risk reduction habits um, because we don't have conclusive evidence in essentially anywhere of nutrition at this time. And I don't say that to to have people take that and say, oh, well, it doesn't matter what I eat because the opposite couldn't be more true. But as a nutrition professional, you know, there is evidence-based work or science that I work from. And what we need to always remind people of is there are behaviors and habits that you can adopt that can impact risk reduction and risk recurrence, but we don't have absolutes. So keeping that in mind, one of the things that we know about nutrition and helping to potentially reduce the risk of recurrence is the role of a plant-based diet or plant-derived foods. And There really are a couple of ways that nutrition can help reduce the risk. And so the first one is that these plant-derived foods or a plant-based diet, they are a source of compounds that have been shown to be chemopreventive and having the ability to lower circulating levels of estrogen concentration. And they also have anti-carcinogenic properties. So those are some crazy big words like chemopreventive and anti-carcinogenic properties. And really what those mean are reducing the risk of recurrence. 
And so it's really about the dietary pattern of that plant-based diet that has high levels of things like phytonutrients that include carotenoids and polyphenols and isothiocyanates. Again, those are types of um, plant compounds that are beneficial. And the second mechanism by which this whole composition of a plant-based diet may influence the disease recurrence and survival, by the way, is through the effect on reproductive hormones. So high vegetable, high fiber, low fat diet has been associated with a significant reduction in um, serum levels of estro- one type of estrogen in women with, who've been diagnosed with early stage breast cancer. Um, one of the things that we look at though is and we talked a little bit about this last week, is you know, what types of, of dietary intervention may impact the different types of breast cancer. And we're not there completely yet, but we are heading in that direction. So just another thing to keep in mind. <laughs> so many things to keep in mind. Yep. Um, so we're going to go out to break here in a couple minutes. So I'm going to give you this one last question. Let's see if we can wrap this one up before we go out to break. Sure. And that is, why is nutrition important when heading into treatment? couple reasons. One, weight gain is common during treatment, and we have accumulating data that points to weight gain during treatment may increase the risk of recurrence and or mortality. So a healthier diet um, can contribute to managing weight. It's not a done deal. It's not 100% effective. I'm not saying that's the holy grail, but it can contribute to that. And the other side of that is Good nutrition helps support post-surgical healing. Um, it supports energy, a sense of participating in your treatment outcomes versus being passive, just saying, oh, this is all happening to me. You know, Taking charge of your diet and your nutrition can really help you feel empowered and active and like you're participating in, in some of the, the behaviors that can potentially impact those outcomes to be positive. Wonderful. All right. Well, I don't know where we're at on the break thing. I think we've got probably another minute. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the other areas of self-care, which include social, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, relational. And then we're going to end on physical um, because there is, there's so much to do with that. So I, ma- I imagine that the whole third segment will be on exercise and fitness. Um, and we'll just kind of rip through the other things as quickly as we can so we don't run out of time. But um, so, yeah, that, that's all really great information. So I think we're going to go ahead and go on out to break. So stay tuned. We will be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. 
giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about self-care and healthy lifestyle with our guest, Kathy Lehman. And as promised, just before we went out to break, um, we're going to kind of pick up some of those other areas of self-care that we didn't get to last week. I think we talked briefly about a little bit of it. Um, But let's talk about these kind of, we'll just take them one at a time. So, um, Kathy, you talk about social self-care. What does that mean? Okay, so social self-care is about relationships outside of your immediate family. These are things um, we're looking at friendships and support groups primarily. Okay, so we're not talking about social media um, thing. We're talking about we're not talking about Facebook relationships, although that can play a part, I would imagine. Um, yeah, but you're talking I, about face-to-face, real, real physical relationships with with people. Well, and just. Briefly, to your point, we talked a little bit about this last week, how with the social media or the use of technology, I I mentioned I have two of my very dearest friends don't live anywhere near me in the Chicago area. So we'll text or we obviously will email or call. That's always, you know, that's a thing. But on social media, there's a very robust breast cancer community Mm -hmm. in the Twitter universe and on Facebook, of course, you can join private Facebook groups for breast cancer support and such. And I'm not saying they're all created equal. You've still got to find your people so yeah. that you feel comfortable. True. And, but True. I've been able to develop some really amazing relationships in that way. But as you and I spoke about last week, I don't think there's anything like sitting down in person with someone face to face and yeah. you know having that sort of social interaction for sure. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and one of the things that we do caution our patients when we, you know, when we are meeting with somebody who's just newly diagnosed, one of the things we encourage them to do right away, or at least for the beginning part of their, their journey, is to kind of stay off the internet. Um, uh, because it's so easy to want to self-diagnose. And then you get into these these online chat groups where, you know, 90% of the conversation is negative And you know, it's just so easy to get sucked into that when you're when you're at your most vulnerable state. That's probably not the best thing to do. How do you feel about that? Are we are we saying the giving them the wrong message, or do you? Oh um, my gosh, I agree one hundred percent. Especially from my own experience, I could not. So when I speak to the robust community of breast cancer survivors and physicians and clinicians online and all the, and the breast cancer support groups and Facebook information groups. I did not go there until, oh my gosh, I don't even know how long, but probably a couple of years or so after my own diagnosis, because I just, 
I felt like, first of all, I didn't fit into that group because I was still pretty much in denial. Like, no, no, breast cancer world <laughs> is not for me. I don't have breast cancer. So yeah, that, that's, you know, that's a whole other thing. Right. Yeah. But um, I agree that you have to be ready to, to dip your toe into that. And even now, four and a half years out from my own diagnosis, I have to step back from some of the Facebook groups that I'm yes. involved in because there is a lot of talk about the dark side of breast cancer mm-hmm. that we don't need to be reminded of every minute of every day. Because yeah, we already and, know. <laughs> yes, we know that and, side, yeah. Yes. And so it's I have learned a lot from being in these groups, but I also sometimes have to step back and catch my breath and just sort of say, okay, I need a break from that. Um, because it's, it, it, you know, the, the truth side of the, the truth about breast cancer is very ugly and raw and it's tough. Um, it's not all pink and ribbons and, and right. winning races. Then and so I'm not, you know, I'm not berating those things. But yeah, so I agree with you. And your other point about going on social media and self-diagnosing, especially with nutrition, and to some extent fitness and self-care, but I would say primarily nutrition. People start to wonder about what should I eat, what should I avoid, what how right. should I address my diet, and there are some really, really scary <laughs> places to find yourself online and you're desperate to do anything you can you're like I yeah. want to make this go away I don't ever want it to return what I'll do anything you tell me I'll eat anything you say and that's where I've really focused my work is I want to be that voice of reason and reality trusted and evidence-based to give women and men the information they need at that time about their diet because you're right you're very vulnerable and yeah and, yeah. and easy to fall for pretty much anything that's out for there that that proposes the latest, greatest cure, et cetera. So, okay, well, cool. So social, getting connected with people Mm -hmm. through support groups or, you know, come into the Breast Friends office if you live in the Portland area. You know, there's a lot of different ways to get connected with people that can help you, support you through this journey. Okay, let's talk about emotional. What what do you mean by emotional self-care? Yes, so that's, we're we're talking about feelings. So Mm -hmm. accepting and expressing feelings. This is really challenging for a lot of people. I will include myself in that. You know, you have such a range of emotions and feelings at the time of diagnosis. And then as you're going through treatment and even after you're dumped out on the other side of treatment, you know, it's just a roller coaster. So how do you manage those without uh, giving the emotions and feelings free reign to take you out? And things like journaling or listening to music or dancing to, you know, moving. For me, dancing and physical movement is a huge component of managing my emotional side of this whole thing, particularly at the beginning, because I am a music uh, freak and I love to dance. And I and my body was very reliable. It's very reliable when it's moving. You know, I'm an athlete and I'm... Um, so the rhythm of music, the rhythm of my body, I knew what it could do. I knew where it would go. I could trust it to be doing what I wanted it to do. And that really helped me process a lot of that emotion. And there are things like dance and movement therapy, um, you know, in a more formal environment. I didn't do anything like that. I just kind of had my own dance parties in my little bedroom, <laughs> but, you know, wherever and however that works for you. But yeah, there's, re- and music can be very cathartic and healing and, yeah, so you know, journaling on a regular basis can be helpful. Meditation is helpful for some people. Yeah, good. Yeah, I have a, a friend who's a who's a naturopathic physician and she refers to she uses this term called staying in the light. And when I was first diagnosed with this last 
diagnosis, which was very difficult to hear, um, I said, you know, the thing I was struggling with the most was this waiting game of waiting to start the trial and waiting for this and waiting for that. And in the meantime, I'm doing nothing and the cancer is growing. And she says, Becky, you're not doing nothing. You're staying in the light. And what she meant by that was when you do what you love, whether it's journaling or dancing or for me, it's singing. I love I sing part time with the swing orchestra. It's a big 18 piece group. They're great. And every now and then they they allow me to come and sing with them, which is very (laughs) cool. Um, And I also love to speak. So by doing those things, she said, I'm staying in the light which is then is it gives a positive thing to every cell in your body when you're doing what you love, you know, and this is part of that emotional thing. When you're doing what you love, your body responds, you know, a hundredfold by, by bringing healing to your cells in your body. So she says, you're not doing nothing. You're staying in the light. And that Ugh, is, and I, 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 and that. I, just, I know, isn't it great? Her name's Shawnee Fox and she's just yeah. an incredible woman. And anyway, I love that. So I like to share that when with people as often as I can. So bottom line, don't just stop doing what you love. <clears throat> Keep at it. Yeah. And even even if things seem really gloomy, you don't always need to have an audience, like you said, just dance in your room. Exactly. You know? <laughs> or your kitchen. I'm a huge yeah. fan of kitchen. Close your dancing. eyes, pretend <laughs> that you've got an audience if that if that makes you feel better, but whatever. <laughs> so yeah, emotional, really important. Okay, let's yeah. move on to the next one. Um, spiritual. What do you what does that mean to you? Right. So spiritual is about your beliefs and your values and your purpose. And those can all be expressed through a variety of ways. I think when we say spiritual, people have a tendency to automatically go to religion. And while religion is definitely one of the ways that you can express all of that, there are different ways you can express your religion. You you can believe in the universe, you can believe in God, you can believe in a higher power, whatever it is that makes you feel um, connected to your purpose and your beliefs and your values. Mm -hmm. So for some people that may be nature. For other people, that may be culture. You know, culture can feel very spiritual to people. Mm-hmm. And what I think, for me, you know, finding the purpose in my work and being able to share this with the breast cancer community, that gives me tremendous purpose. And my belief is that, you know, the power to heal ourselves comes from finding purpose where we feel valued and we feel like we're contributing and and all of that. Um, you know, wrapped together is really part of that whole spiritual place. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, yeah, I, I know a lot of spiritual people who are not necessarily religious people. Yes, um, but they're beautiful. Their spirits are beautiful, and um, you know, so it, you're right. It, it can come from all those different places. Mm-hmm. That's 100%. wonderful. Yeah, and it and it's okay to to experience that, and it's all part of that self care. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm loving this conversation, and I really appreciate you coming back for week two, so we could finish this up. So let's talk about intellectual self care. Yes. So that's critical thinking. Okay. It's it's ideas. It's creativity, and I think creativity can be really healing I kind of look at wellness practices has a big it's kind of a big definition it's like an overarching statement of and then you can tease that out what are wellness practices and how we're breaking them into these different components and themes you know creativity can be very healing you can do art therapy you can do um, like you go back to the culture some of these I think kind of bleed into each other you know if you're intellectually stimulated by going to a cultural event that really, I think, is empowering and helps you feel 
grounded and and it also nourishes that intellectual side you know reading great books and having great discussions and conversations with people on on topics that are not too incendiary (laughs) although those can be interesting too (laughs) depends on your mood yeah yeah I imagine it probably does so so yeah and now this is where that dangerous of the the um sometimes in our attempt to get educated about certain things to increase our intellectual capacity, I suppose, we can get caught up in some of the wrong things. So how do we discern as we're trying to, um, you know, build on that intellectual self-care component, how do we discern between what's good for us to read about, hear about, and what's complete bogus? How do, how do we discern that? It's, it's not always easy. With regard to well, we talked about nutrition. going on the, no, we talked about going on the internet for information to learn about different components and aspects. Yeah, maybe nutrition is one of them to learn about about cancer and and to try to build up that that intellectual knowledge, you know, that base that we have about our cancer and mm-hmm. what's you know how can we fix it and how can we do all this. Where do we draw that line between going? All in, trying to figure this out, and and not. I, I it's maybe it's too big a question. I don't know, or a very convoluted question. I don't know. I'm not sure. I know what I mean. I, I know exactly <laughs> okay. what I mean. Let me see if I can figure it out. No, I. You know, when you're so, if you go online or you go to the library, you go to the bookstore, wherever, and you're looking for something to read to feed that intellectual curiosity about where you found yourself with a breast cancer diagnosis. I did the same thing. I, I was at a bookstore and I would pick up books that some of them I was familiar with just from my being in the line of work that I am in. And it's really different reading those from a professional person who doesn't have breast cancer to a professional person who's now been diagnosed with breast cancer. So I think what you pick up to read, it has to first resonate with you. Some of them were very, I was very repelled by by just the language or the tone. and But if you're looking for information that is helpful and not harmful, anything that comes out of Dana-Farber, MD Anderson, or um, Sloan Kettering, or Mayo, the big cancer centers, that's reliable, and you can start there. It can be dry, it can be clinical. That's what I hear from a lot of people, like, well, I went there, but it's too general in terms of nutrition and self-care, and it's a little too dry and clinical and boring and okay but you know they're trying to address everyone who's coming to their site so they've got to be that's the way they've got to attack it um the american institute for cancer research is a wonderful place to look for nutrition and fitness physical activity and diet um and can't all cancers though that's not breast cancer specific so those are the places i start those types of organizations associations or you know and then from there here's how you can tell who not to follow or to go too far down is if something is very absolute black and white yes or no it's this or that you must drink only green juice and never eat sugar you must run five miles a day and practice meditation for 10 minutes no you can't skip a day there's nothing in between so you've got to be um looking for those absolutes because we don't have a lot of absolutes you've got to approach things with from a place of gray as i like to say and that's safer 
and more doable. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a real quick tip for our listeners. We had a guest on a few weeks ago. I can't remember who it was, or I would give her credit for sharing this. Um, But if, you know, we all Google stuff, you know, you open up Google and you type in and then all kinds of junk comes up. But if you go to Google Scholar. Oh, yes. And then search. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then search. You're only going to get documented, you know, kinds of of results so you'll still That's get all this, great yeah you'll still get all the search things back but they'll be all based on on that you know scholarly kind of stuff so just a little tip um okay so before we run out of of this segment let's go right to relational talk about that right. for a minute or two and then we're going to start on the conversation about physical activity so sure. relational what is so that that's, re- that's relationships with your significant other your partner your spouse whoever that may be your children your familial interactions. Okay. So that's, you know, whereas the social was relationships outside of your immediate family, relational is more, um, is inside your family, your family interconnections. So how do we, how do we work with that? Because, you know, when when cancer touches the the woman, breast cancer touches the woman, and in some case men, it doesn't Mm -hmm. just touch her, it touches the family. And, And it can be incredibly difficult and draining um, on the family when they are the caretakers. So if you're struggling with with that aspect of self-care, how does how do we deal with relational and self-care to improve that situation? What can we do? That's a big question right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, well, it, so two things I would say quickly is um, absolutely when the, the caretaker of the family is diagnosed and everything it, it is, it's like dominoes. Everyone is impacted. And not just that immediate family, but siblings and cousins and parents, right? Aunts and right. uncles, everyone's impacted. Um, so I would say, and in my experience, you know, you've got to find the people in your family who are supportive because not everyone may be uh, the people in your family who can walk that journey with you and mm-hmm. be alongside you rather mm-hmm. than trying to direct you or be judgmental or whatever it may be, as well intended as they may be trying to be. That's not what we need at that time. And then there are some people in your family that you may need to step back from. Mm-hmm. And I know that's difficult to do, but we all have those people in our family where you're like, I just need to stay at an arm's length right now because I've got to take care of myself. And it may be, you know, conversations with your immediate family about this is what I need to, you know, get through this and and being clear about that and having boundaries, which yeah. is tricky. And I'm not saying this is easy, but just some ideas to consider. You know, one of my, my friends, unfortunately, she did pass from cancer, came back like 17, 18 years later, and, and it... And she's she's gone now. And but I love her. Her name is Fern Carnes, and she used to talk about the ripple, the family ripple, and you know the woman in the center, you know, with cancer, the the first row of the ripple effect, you know, that goes around is going to hit her family pretty hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a pretty pretty big little wave there. You know, and but the further away you get from the center, the different circles of relationship. You know, the immediate family is too close to the center. Sometimes, and then you get a little further out, that might be the cousins, that might be, um, you know, the aunts and uncles and all the people that love you and care about you, but aren't going to be as devastated by this um, diagnosis as your immediate family would be. They may be in a better position to be of assistance to help, um, Mm. you know, in some of those areas. And then the further out you get from that center, you still have, there's still people there that can help, like neighbors and coworkers. And these are the people that will not be emotionally distraught over this, 
but but care about you enough and love you enough to want to help. So yeah, you know, kind sure. of think about about those people too as we kind of look about relational self care. Where where else can we reach for for support? So so on that, we're going to go out to break, and when we come back, we are going to. We are going to power through um, the, uh, the rest of this because we, we don't have a lot of time left. So okay, <laughs> I'd have we'll to do it back for week three. Okay. okay. So, all right. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about self-care and healthy lifestyle with our guest, Kathy Lehman. And Kathy, um, before you were diagnosed with breast cancer in 2014, you had self-care practices that you had in place for yourself, just for a healthier lifestyle, for you know better living. And you credit those for your positive outcomes and maintenance of your physical and mental health. How, how did any of that change after you were diagnosed? How did those things still help you, or did they? Oh, they helped me tremendously. And I like to, I mean, I don't have exact proof of this because I'm not, wasn't in a scientific study, but I feel, and and this makes me feel um, better, I feel that my self-care practices contributed to my pathology. Now, and my caveat for saying that is there are plenty of women who eat well and exercise and have pathology that is, um, very challenging. Mm-hmm. I just I feel like luck had a lot to do with it, but I I can't discount the impact of just trying to take care of myself. So that is not to minimize anyone else. I'm not disparaging anyone else if they or to make them feel guilty. That's not why I'm saying that. Just for me personally, 
I held on to that and it helped me feel better. And that's, that's how I use that. It's just for me, but I do share it with people. Good. So before I was diagnosed, I had I had run the Chicago Half Marathon seven weeks prior to my diagnosis. Holy moly. <laughs> yep. I had a personal record. I had felt like a million bucks. I had, My husband and I had just been hiking in Breckenridge a few weeks prior to that. So I finished my final training for the Half Marathon in Breckenridge where there's little oxygen. So by the time I got back to Chicago and ran that on a flat surface or flat, you know, space with no, with lots of oxygen, I was fast, man. I felt great. (laughs) Um, It was not intended to be that, but that's the way it worked. Um, You know, I go to the gym and lift weights. I'm just, I was very, very fit. I felt like a million dollars, which was so shocking to me that how can you feel so great? And there's something inside you that wants to try and kill you. That was, I really struggled with that. But I held on to the side of things that I am in great condition and I am not going to get out of condition because of this. If anything, I will ramp up my activity. So I ran through my entire treatment. I lifted weights on my regular schedule. I would go to the gym, do my workout, lift weights with the guys who lifted in the same area I did. And then I would go to radiation and then I would go and run my business. And for me, again, that is not to say, woohoo, look at me. I'm saying that worked for me. So feeling strong in my body helped me really feel strong in my treatment. I had quick recovery from my surgery. Um, my radiation did not impact me negatively. Um, I just kept going because even if it hadn't have helped as much as it did, or I like to think that it did, it made me feel better in my head. And I know it also, you know, you get your blood pressure checked, you get your weight checked, you get all those things checked when you go in for your treatment, and those were all steady, and that made me feel good. Um, So, yeah, and then on the other side, I started journaling, and I journaled every morning, and I just, you know, the dance parties, those things that just helped me (laughs) feel grounded, really, I was like, I'm just, this is what I hold on to, and this is what I need to get through, and I believe it really helped me come Good. through, and it continues to help me today. It wasn't a temporary Good. thing. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's great. We had a guest one one time from Ireland. His name is Liam Ryan, and Liam talked about he had a, he had a cancer that kind of just engulfed his face and his um, spinal cord. I mean, it was just, it was Ugh. very, and then he was given a month to live, and they told him that they would, he found a team that would do surgery on him, but they said it would take a month to put the team together, and it's like, wow, am I even going to live long enough to have the surgery? But the one thing he said, and it kind of reminded me of what you just said, and that is that um, his job at that point, once he found a team that would take him on as a patient, was to, preve- was to present the best patient possible on, that, on the, the surgery bed mm-hmm. when the time came. And mm-hmm. he'd been a runner. And he went out and started running again just to, he'd done like five marathons or something oh, prior wow. to his surgery. And that was 16 years ago now. Oh so my gosh, that's it was, great. It's a wonderful, wonderful story of hope. Yeah. And, but he really talked about that whole idea of putting that your best foot forward because if you want a chance to survive this surgery, which was going to be in, incredibly intense, you know, he needed to to be as strong and fit as he possibly could in every other area. So so we know exercise is key. So let's talk about that, okay? Yeah, what What is sure. the best type of exercise? Is there a best? It's whatever you can physically tolerate okay. and can do on a consistent basis. And so if you are not a runner because you hate running, it doesn't feel good to you, it hurts, what, and you're not going to do it consistently, don't run. If you love to swim, and that feels great, and it makes you feel strong, and you can do that regularly, then swim. 
you know, I, I always say there's gray, you know, not you must do this or you must not do that. You've got to find, and it's different for everyone, whatever you can physically tolerate. Recognizing that what you can physically tolerate right out of treatment will change over time as That's you true. regain your strength and you move into, you know, the latter, move out into your survivorship. So keeping that in mind that changing it up is important too. Yeah, but it's the best type is whatever you can do and do it every single week. I love that. So, okay, good to know. Um, So how do I create a balanced exercise plan? You know, it's not just about one thing, right? Right. So how do we do a balanced one? Balanced is having each of these components, cardiovascular exercise. So that's something that gets your heart rate up gets your heart rate up and maintains it, sustains the heart rate up, elevated, uh, for, you know, 10 minutes, 15, 20, whatever you can tolerate. Then we need something that is strength-based. So weight training, body weight training, something that is, um, you know, strength. We have cardio, we have strength. And that can be, um, people always think they need to lift you know, weights like dumbbells. Well, maybe you start with weight machines because those are more stationary and they can stabilize you and then you move into dumbbells and you do body weight like core and um you know uh standing squats and those sorts of things but that's strength building for muscular strength and endurance and then we need flexibility and balance so things that like yoga or tai chi or pilates um so combining those those three pieces cardio strength and then flexibility slash balance i guess it sounds like four yeah yeah no, that, that makes perfect sense. So, um, good. Okay. And so, how can I, I – I know I'm ripping through these because I'm looking at the clock and thinking I'm yeah. not running out of time today. So, okay. how can we stay motivated? And this is a big question I have for you is how can we stay motivated to exercise and eat right? And I know for some people it's so easy. You just do it. You know, that, that's kind of Nike slogan, right? Just do it. But, it, you know, when you're feeling really down in the dumps and you're kind of depressed and maybe you do have some weight – on you from your treatment and you're feeling kind of crappy you sorry for the word but um how do you how do you get yourself motivated then yeah what do you do so i you know i like to ask people what what's your challenge what's your block is it that you don't feel good physically and by not feeling good what does that mean are you fatigued do you have pain do you feel weak is there something physical that you can do that is, what is the most minimal, minimal baseline of activity that you can do? So is that walking around the block? Or is it walking to the corner and back? Whatever is the minimal baseline amount of activity you can do, start there. Once you figure out if you can, do, whatever you can do that does is, is pain-free and you don't okay. feel weak or you don't feel, so let's find what that is and start there. And even if you're, and I know when you're feeling in that dark, depressed place, you don't want to move. You don't want to get off the sofa. Yet right. we know the research shows us, and I always say research, big deal. If you're not, you know, that's in a lab. If you're not feeling it in real life, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> I always right. like to remind people that the reason they do that is to show that you can shift the way your cognition, your mood can be changed by physical activity, by just getting endorphins and blood flow. And sometimes that's just walking to the corner and back. So start there and call it a day. Maybe it's sitting on the floor 
and just reaching for your toes, doing a little stretching, right? And the eating right side of things is, okay, what's the block there? Is that you don't have the energy to cook? Do you hate to cook? Is there nothing that tastes good to you right now? Are you, do you live by yourself and you feel like you're not worth cooking for? What's the block? I always like to find what are we working against, what's working against you, and what can we do to remove that block or at least minimize it? So maybe that would be, can you eat an apple today? When you haven't eaten anything green or anything that resembles a fruit for the past week, could you eat an apple? Could you eat a banana? Could you go get a smoothie somewhere? Go to a drive-thru and get it. You know, what's the minimal thing you could start with? Because no one will ever say, I feel terrible because I just ate that banana or I feel yeah. terrible because I just walked to the corner. Yeah. And start to build from there. It makes perfect sense. One of the things that I, I was talking with a gal here um, in town, her name is Megan Gardner, and she's a... Um, nutritionist, and she was talking, we were talking about some of the roadblocks to proper eating is because you're too tired to go to the store, Yeah, you know? My roadblock is I have no food in my house that's, yes. you know, that's healthy. And she reminded me of all of these wonderful store delivery services now. <laughs> Just Absolutely. Get online and place your order, and they'll bring it to you for 10 or 20 bucks, and, um, and sometimes they give you the first one for free. So, you know, you... That's that's a solution too. If you like that's to a shop, great solution. yeah. <laughs> if you love going to the grocery store, go nuts. Maybe that yeah. helps with your recovery. Yeah. But I, I prefer to avoid it. So, but but that's true. You can have you can get your groceries delivered. You yep. can get prepared food delivered. I mean, there is always a way to come around it. But I think what happens is people get stuck in the I can't, I won't, I don't want to, I don't feel like it. Yeah. And that's human nature. Yep. So that's where I come in and say, okay, what can we do? Let's look at what what. What's the minimal viable thing we can do? And let's start there. And, and that you know, creates motivation. Just getting up and taking a shower. You know, Absolutely. one of the things I tell patients when I'm talking to them about, you know, when you're getting into that kind of dark, funky place, mm-hmm. how do you how do you have a quote positive attitude? Everyone says you just need a positive attitude. Well, yeah. the way you get a positive attitude is by doing a positive thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and it might be going down to the street to the mailbox to get your mail. It might be laying on the floor or sitting and stretching for your toes. That's a positive mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. And maybe getting up and taking a shower is a positive action. And pretty soon the positive actions you do one and then you do a second one. It might be a little thing. But before you know it, you're feeling better emotionally you're feeling better and that's part of developing that positive attitude is by through positive actions so um okay if i could just have one quick thing to that is you know it it doesn't last when we're in that dark place we always think we're that's it we're staying there that this is how it's always going to be and the next day can bring it brings something new a new feeling a new emotion you can feel better the darkness might lift a little bit so if you can just sit with it and recognize i'm feeling really crappy today and i'm just going to be in that crappy place today but tomorrow's a different day so maybe today i can just do a minimal action like you said and then tomorrow i can build on that so it's just recognizing yeah, we're constantly evolving and changing, and we don't stay in that dark place. It can feel like we will, but we don't. Good point. Very good point. So how much exercise is, is recommended to reduce recurrence risk? Do we have to run a marathon or no, a half marathon? No, Only <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> but you don't have to. So here's the recommendation to reduce recurrence risk. 150 minutes per week. What that translates to is just a little bit over 20 minutes per day. That's seven days, by the way. Uh, But what we're looking, and that's for general, there's nothing, it's not specific to reducing risk for cancer. We use even just the general guidelines for exercise, which that is what those are for everyone. But what we, where we look at reducing recurrence is increasing the intensity. 
So you don't so you don't have to run a marathon, but it does mean if you're walking and strolling, can you pick it up a little bit? You know, can you walk a little bit faster for yep. 30 seconds and then back off? And then, yeah. you know, if you're lifting two-pound weights, can you go up to five-pound weights? Mm-hmm. You, so it's building intensity into your workouts so that you are not always doing a very low-level same thing. Yep. And that's activity. I mean, some activity is better than none. But if we're looking at using that behavior to reduce recurrence risk, that's the intensity does come into play there. And we have to remember, we're not competing with anybody else. We are only, and I don't even want to use the word competing with ourselves, but all we're trying to do is do it a little better for ourselves today. And it's not about, you know, watching somebody run around, you know, a track 15 times and we can barely walk around once. You know what? If you can barely walk around once, but you do it anyway, hallelujah, hats off. Yeah. And then maybe tomorrow you walk around it twice and it might be really slow and maybe even a little bit painful, but I've got plantar fasciitis, so I'm dealing with that. That's (laughs) horrible. Yeah, that's Okay, listen, we're going to run out of time here in a minute. So tell us about Damn Mad Breast Cancer and about your Breast Cancer Healthy Lifestyle Program. And yes. you've, got, you've got a minute. Yes. So the 21-Day uh, Breast Cancer Healthy Lifestyle Program kicks off today, in fact. Okay. And so people can still join if they would like. I have a special um, pricing for your listeners, and they can get that today. So that's at my website, Mad D-A-M-M-A-D, aboutbreastcancer.com forward slash 21, the number 21, dash day, dash VA, as in Voice America, forward slash. So that's uh, to get the early bird pricing to the program. It's a 21-day program that works. We address nutrition and fitness and well-being, and we have live educational pieces, and we have a private Facebook group and all kinds of content and surprises to help people just up-level their their healthy lifestyle. And And then um, I know it's all online, but is it a live online kind of thing, or can they tune in anytime today and pick up what? It is all online. Today we kick it off, but tomorrow is the first live educational component and that's recorded so when you register for the program today you'll get all the introductory information you need to get started and then tomorrow I'll do the first live educational piece but if you can't make the live everyone gets the audio recording so they can listen to it over and over and it's all online and because the fact that most of our listeners listen on demand we don't know when they're going to be listening to this right so if you will if you will email me the direct link for our voice america listeners I will post that on our Facebook page for Breast Friends, and maybe they can um, go in that way. And, that uh, would be great. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, because it is recorded, I mean, I'm totally fine with people coming in a little bit late if that works for them, if they're just hearing about it later, because I can give them all the materials they need yeah. to catch them up. So that's totally fine. Cool. And we are out of time. So <laughs> Great. Okay. Thank you, Thank Kathy, you. so much again for being a guest on our show. We will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.